Welcome to Managing Marketing, and we're back in Sydney, having a short uh, trip to London and uh, and New York. And in Sydney, I get a chance to sit down with Kylie Riddler Dutton, who is affectionately known at Trinity P3 as the Riddler. Um, and we're having a chat about pitching because uh, in the last few years that Kylie's been with us, she's been leading most of our pitch processes. So welcome, Kylie. Thanks for having me. I'd much rather be meeting in New York or London, but... Let's organise okay. that for next time. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, I should say, welcome the Riddler. Um, pitching. Yes. It's it's not a major part of our business, but it is quite an important part of the business, isn't it? Well, it's certainly something I don't see going away from the industry anytime soon. And, you know, it is a massive part of a client's um, budget, so something to take quite seriously. Yeah, um, but procurement are running a lot of pitches these days, aren't they? Uh, look, we do, obviously a lot of pitches are run by procurement, but the pitches that we're uh, consulted and um, asked to participate in are often, yes, directly with the marketing department, but they also see a lot of value in, um, if procurement do have to be involved, in actually having us consult with the procurement department directly as well. So we work either either. And what uh, what have you found as uh, from your perspective been the major reasons that people are pitching? Because there seems to be a lot of pitches. There's a lot of media pitches mm. on at the moment. Um, there seems to be uh, some pitches to consolidate, you know, the sort of content and creative. What what do you think's driving that, or what are the th reasons that people are going to market? I think there's many different reasons. It does depend on the cli uh, the client, but it also depends on the current environment. So. Um, case in point would be media. Yes, we have seen um, a lot of media pitches over the last 12 to 15 months and obviously for obvious reasons in the marketplace, obviously. Um, but not only that, with media, I guess, you know, with changing technology um, and as you just said, content requirements, etc., there has been a need and clients sitting up and taking note that they do need to relook at their current relationships or their, their current skill set of the incumbent agency that they have. Uh, with creative agencies, you know, it can be that procurement require a three-month, sorry, three-year contract renew renewal. Sometimes it feels three like three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, often um, it can be that there are issues with the incumbent agency. So actually what we'd actually recommend to the client before we do kick off on a pitch process is actually we'd like to go in and evaluate what the issues are with the incumbent because a lot of the time we can overcome that um, those issues However, it also helps to actually bring into the current pitch whatever the issues are with the incumbent that we ensure that we actually don't get that with a new with a new um, partner. Because that would be the problem, isn't it? You go through a, a pitch process which can take anywhere from, what, eight weeks to 12 weeks or even a little bit longer sometimes, mm. and all you end up with is either the incumbent and the same problems you've always had, or you choose a new agency and you still end up with the same problems. And that's often because the client works in the same way too. You know, we have had pictures where we end up with a, with a new partner and then the client walks away and expects that new agency to act like the old agency um, and wonders why they're, you know, they're not getting what they used to get. So 
um, you know, a lot of the work that we do, um, I guess, post-pitch is also, um, you know, engagement activity so, or transition activity. If it is a new relationship from the incumbent, we can help there. But um, that's often the bit where we get called back and <laughs> asked to sort out some issues with um, new relationships. Yeah, I wonder sometimes if uh, marketers get a chance to really consider the implications of running a pitch. I mean, beyond the actual process itself, if you've got a good relationship with an agency, but you're running a pitch because you have to, mm. the danger is you could end up with another agency that looks good, but may, may not actually move you further or improve the situation? I guess we can overcome a lot of those issues because of the process that we, we do go through. Um, and I think a lot of clients, if they're not familiar, and agencies actually, uh, with our process, actually, when they go through the process, realise that we're actually ticking a lot of boxes that they wouldn't necessarily have thought of. Mm -hmm. And for an example, that would be the one of the first kickoff meetings that we have with the agency and the client is the chemistry session. Um, and, uh, you know, we always get people up front that don't believe in chemistry and say, oh God, you know, I don't care if I like them or not. And then when they come out of the process, they realise the value in actually having met all of the day-to-day -day people that they'll be working with. I mean, you spend so much of your working life with these people, you mm. want to ensure that you actually do believe in what they're saying and that you do actually value um, the experience that they have. So, um, you know, by the end of the process that they would have been through, they would have actually ironed out a lot of issues and had a lot of value in what they're going to get moving forward. Well, I caught up with a, uh, a CMO recently who uh, had just gone through the pitch process, not with us, but one of the other uh, industry consultants. And mm -hmm. and they asked, uh, the, the CMO asked me, well, you know, you guys were so expensive, he said, that this other consultant was like uh, a third of your price. And I said, well, what did they actually do? So maybe uh, let's go through the process because you've mentioned it a couple of times. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting yeah. to see, you know, I'll, I'll give you the feedback that I've had from people about mm. about what happens in the industry. Look, I, I, other than the process, I guess the one thing that we do have at Trinity P3, which is, you know, a, a massive help and, um, you know, obviously gives us a, a fair... Um, market opinion on what's out there in the marketplace to the client is we've got the agency register mm. and I don't think anybody else in Australia actually offers this and our register is actually um, a global resource because obviously we have office, offices in other countries um, and actually in the last 12 months I've worked on um, a few global pitches where we've actually been um, briefed by the client to have a local agency rep in either Sydney or Melbourne, but also they actually needed work carried out in South America or Indonesia. Mm. So the register, we actually do have um, agencies all around the world, which is a massive help. So what we actually do is when we meet with the client, we actually get them to start, as you would an agency client project or campaign, we get them to start with the brief. We actually get them to fill out what are the requirements, what are the attributes, what are the important things to them as a client that they want to have in that agency. So we can actually take that brief and match it against our agency register. So that is, I guess, one of the biggest wives' tales in the industry. And obviously being ex-agency, I do get ex-agency mates coming up and going, ah, we know that, you know, it's all opinion-based anyway. It's just who you know. Well, that's what this CMO said to me. They said the first meeting they had with this consultant, uh, the consultant walked in, they had a conversation around what was needed, and then the consultant just started naming 
agencies mm. off the top of their head, which I can imagine, you know, just the human memory, they probably only have maybe a dozen that they can draw upon that they would remember with any sort of detail. I do not know how any person in this industry would be able to keep up with the latest changes and the re the you know the the restructure of any agency today unless you're actually actively out there all the time um you know i haven't worked in agencies for the last three years working now with trinity p3 and i can't believe the amount of changes or personnel changes that happen in agencies all the time um, so part of having that agency register Trinity P3 consultants are on a regular basis actually going out and meeting with the agencies. So we actually are cross-checking the information the agencies are putting on the register and physically going out and getting a good idea for, you know, the sense of culture, the sense of the personnel at the agency, you know, and what it does for me is when I actually go and sit in front of a client to actually put forward you know, the choices of agencies that they have, I can actually do that with confidence because I actually am out there physically meeting with agencies all yeah. the time. It's not just the information the agencies have provided, you actually have sat down and spoken with them and seen how they operate Correct. to be able to give mm. that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's another consultant that uh, agencies uh, have often told me, oh, we've never seen them. They'll suddenly put us on a list, but we've never actually sat down and mm. talked to them. And uh, I remember asking the uh, consultant why that was, and they go, oh, I haven't got time to waste talking to agencies, which I thought was an interesting uh, perspective, considering that that's you know, a significant part of the value that they bring. Look, it is a huge investment for you, I guess, running the company um, to actually have us actively going out there. But, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't feel confident going and presenting these cases to a client unless I actually knew what I was talking about. Um, and as I said, they change so often that it really is hard to keep up with current agencies and, you know, who's there and who's who's gone to the next agency. Um, so it really does help us feel confident that we're, you know, giving the client the best information which they're paying for and that's why they're paying for it. So, so there's the brief from the client then uh, using the agency register to make a, a, put a list together and make a recommendation for consideration. What's the next stage? Yeah, so look, what we do is we present what we call a long list agency search so I always tell agencies you know there's no guarantee obviously that you're going to get put onto the actual pitch list but what we're doing is we're giving the client the best opportunity to make sure that we've explored the marketplace the best we can so what we actually do in our initial meeting with the client is we'll actually get them to do what we call the short list so we actually then get them to choose from the information we've given them a short list of about six agencies that they'd actually like to participate in the pitch now before that on the long list, what if the client has come up with agencies that they've heard of or they'd like considered? Do they automatically go onto the long list or how, how would you deal with it when a client's asked you to uh, yeah, put some agencies into the consideration? We would definitely explore those options for them because, as I said, it's not opinion-based. So we definitely want to make sure that we've given them every option available. However, what we will do is take the agency's information, we'll meet with them, we'll discuss the actual client brief with them and whether they actually match that brief or not will actually get us to the next stage of the pitch. And that's where the client can actually see if it is going to be the right agency for them. I, um, the reason I ask is uh, quite a few years ago when I was running pitches, I had a, um, a bank, a, a financial services company, uh, they were looking for an agricultural specialist agency. Mm. And I, when I was taking them through the long list, 
uh, approach. They said, oh, it's all right, we've already got a long list. And what they'd done is gone round all the staff to see who had worked with an agricultural specialist agency. Oh. And the interesting thing is that when we got the list, we checked it against the agency register and they all had conflicts because, of course, mm. everyone had come to the bank from previous financial services roles where they worked with the agricultural specialist at that company. So yeah. we actually could go back and go, well, you know, yes. she had a very nice list. It was about 10 or uh, 8 or 10 companies, but they've all got conflicts. So due diligence, I guess, is what we actually do on behalf of the client. So we will go and check all of that information. And good point to raise, actually, because something that comes up when we're actually doing the search report is, um, you know, any conflicts, any clashes. So we will look at that. And that's really hard to keep up to date with. Mm. You know, agencies are changing client lists all the time. So unless you're actually, um, you know, actively looking at that information at the time of the brief, um, you could be presenting misinformation and get halfway down a pitch <laughs> and the agency has to pull out and goes, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, <laughs> hadn't forgot. told you about yeah. such and such. Yeah. But the other thing is that increasingly agencies are going to be on projects, you know, and they'll say on their website that they've got a certain client. But when you actually talk to the agency, oh, yeah, we did a project. Oh, well, it's under a current client. Oh, well, but if there was another client, we'd be happy to work with them. It's interesting. If I actually went off agency websites and took that as gospel <laughs> for a client pitch, half of them wouldn't make it onto the pitch list because, as you said, a lot of them will have logos up there for a lot of clients that they did a project for 24 months ago. Yeah. So straight away, if I was the client, I'd say, okay, well, they're not they're not able to pitch. So, you know, with the agency register, we keep the information as up to date as possible. But then when we actually actively work on a pitch, we will go and actually double check and cross check that information. So we've got down from the long list to the pitch list. What happens then? So after we've actually presented to the client, we get them to select a short list. So we often recommend, um, first off, we'll um, make sure the client wants to or not um, include the incumbent agency to pitch um, and we'll get them to select six of the most appropriate agencies that they like the look of from the information provided. And at the same time, I should mention, we actually get the agency to be involved in this process as well. So we're not just taking the information um, and researching it ourselves. We actually do contact the agency because the worst thing to happen could be that we present them, the client likes them, and then they're not pitch fit. So mm. is you know they don't have the resources at the time to pitch. So we will actually give the agency as well uh, as much information as we can and be very transparent with them on what the requirements are. Without actually re um, revealing who the client is. Maybe the category. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, we'll give them the category. We'll give them an overview of what the client is looking for, um, a general idea of a bit of a scope of work, and even a general budget, which you know a lot of people say, gasp but um you know there's no use presenting a half a million dollar client <laughs> to an agency that um you know has overheads that are never going to cut it to that yeah. budget so um we've got a pretty honest relationship and we ask agencies are quite honest with us up front i um i remember running a very big pitch that would require the any agency to have more than 40 staff right to be able to work on the client because that's mm. the sort of size of business. It was 40 FTEs. And I got this uh, uh, phone call from an agency in, uh, let's say, rural New South Wales. And they said, oh, we want to pitch because we do some projects for that client. And I asked them how many staff they have. And they said four. 
And I said, well, if you win it, you'd need to increase the size by tenfold. Oh, we could do that. So they said, I love the optimism of agencies that uh, yeah. you know, they'll take on anything because they think that you know, enough money and they can solve any problem that will arise. I think, yeah, look, it's not all dollars and cents either. I think, um, you know, in the past I have had agency um, CEOs or MDs actually say that the client doesn't fit the culture of their agency and that's fair as well. Mm. You know, what we try to have is an honest, honest relationship up front so we actually know exactly what we're dealing with and that's for both parties, the client and the agency. Um, so we don't get disappointed halfway through the process. Now, once you've got this uh, list that the client's got, um, because uh, talking to this CMO, he said, oh, then uh, the consultant just phoned the agencies that he'd nominated, the six, and got them to send in their standard credentials so we could have a look. Uh, credentials would be the next stage, but how do, how do you do it? So we call it the RFI or the credentials brief, whichever you prefer. But what we actually do is... Um, we're already in the background working closely with the lead client on the pitch and what we're also doing is helping them craft what we call the credentials brief. So we're actually coming up with information that is going to be relevant to them, not a standard credentials brief. It also lets um, the client read a document within a you know certain amount of time without being, um, you know, given a 50-page document of case studies, which a lot of agencies like to do. Um, we come up with a very, um, you know, direct list of questions, 10 or 12 questions that are going to be relevant and of interest to the client to actually read um, of the information. So it's not just generic information. So we actually come up with what we call the RFI and we actually um, give that to the list of six agencies. And we generally give them between a week and tops two weeks to actually turn around that credential brief. As part of the whole process during every step of this, um, every step of the process, we actually also get the clients to use a score sheet. And that's a score sheet that Trinity P3 have developed. Um, and what it does is if you've got, um, you know, six or 10 levels of stakeholders involved in the process, obviously not every person is always going to agree on an outcome. So the scoring really helps them, um, you know, conclude or come up with a decision which is an average score against each agency outcome. Or at least structure the conversation around the how conversation. to make a decision yeah, collectively. Yeah, it gives us a base. Yeah. So. It's interesting. I was just thinking about uh, years ago, uh, a, a, it was a government agency said, oh, we don't need to go through that selection process. We'll just put an open tender out there. Mm. So they put an open tender. Anyone could apply for it. And when the tender closed... They ended up with, I think it's either 12 or 14 of those big rubbish bins, full clean ones, new oh. ones, but rubbish bins full of tender documents. Wow. Like they had over yeah. 200 agencies had mm. applied and some of the tender documents were like hundreds and hundreds of pages, a bit like the old, I don't know um, if... You, this was the agencies you worked at, but the idea of never mind the quality, feel the weight of the document. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. There was some huge, and they then they phoned me up and they said, could you help us go through these and filter wow. out who's suitable and who isn't? We have to be realistic. The client only has so much time to read through all of these documents. And it's funny, you know, actually, I'll be honest, the, the one pitch that I have worked on where I actually forgot one minor detail, which was the brief to the agency where I always put, please limit your document to 15 pages. 
I actually this one time forgot to put that in and sure enough, I had an agency put through a 50 page document. You know, it wouldn't even email through properly. So mm. there is reason behind what we're doing and what we're trying to do is make sure that the client has one relevant information and two all the top line information. Yeah. Because what that's going to be doing is arm them with the questions that they still need to ask of the agencies when they meet them in the next step. So when the, um, the, the marketers have read the credentials documents, what happens next? So we give the client at least a week to actually go through the credentials um, brief. A whole week? A whole week. So what we want them to do is actually read through the document and then write down any questions that they have of questions that they still think have not been answered throughout that credentials brief. What we then ask them to do is at the chemistry meetings where we actually have the six agencies come in each agency gets their opportunity to present some information of relevance. They get to introduce the team that they see would be working on the account or sometimes the C-suite, depending on what the client requirements are. We spend half of that meeting time as an open Q&A forum. So it's really the opportunity for the client to ask that agency team any questions that they still have after reading the credentials documents. And the tough questions too. And the tough questions. So it really is testing out the personnel of the agency and getting a feel. And it is what it is, it's chemistry. Um, some people think that that's not an important part of a relationship which is probably well, why they have a failed marriage. However, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting you say that, Kylie, because I had a, uh, a senior marketer in, in London tell me, oh, ke uh, chemistry sessions are a waste of time. And, and rather than immediately jump to the defence, I said, well, what, what's a chemistry session for you? And apparently this is quite common. Oh, the agency comes in. I go, agency. Oh, yeah, the senior management from mm -hmm. the agency comes in. And we sit down, we have a chat for an hour or so, just to feel each other out and see, see what we like. Mm. And I went, well, to me, that's not a chemistry session because, as you say, it's really an opportunity to interrogate, in a way, the team that's going to be exactly. working on your business and really get a sense of, you know, things like how do they perform as a team, how do they think on their feet, yeah. uh, you know, the, the things that they've put in writing in the credentials document, mm. do they really know it inside out or is this, you know, a piece of fiction? Look, it is a little bit like speed dating, I guess, if you think about it. You know, it's that awkward conversation at the beginning. But, um, you know, it, it really is all the feedback I get from clients is how important it was for them to actually meet and see that team actually work as a team mm -hmm. because it's pretty quick and easy to weed out the bullshit, so to speak. Yeah, no, no absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um, I've seen uh, chemistry sessions go horribly badly. In fact, one, uh, for a client that's quite, uh, you know, friendly and very uh, collaborative, mm. uh, one agency started a argument between senior management. And as they walked out the room, the CEO of the company said, well, I don't think we'll be working with them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you can you can pick up on somebody's enthusiasm yeah. as well. So 
um, often, uh, you know, if you've got a team of five coming in and presenting for the chemistry meeting and you've got the person on the end with the mobile phone on their lap under the desk <laughs> throughout <laughs> half of the meeting, I think the enthusiasm perhaps wasn't as genuine as, yeah. um, you know, you would have hoped. So, you know, it's all these little things that actually help Tell the client. Telltale signs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny, sometimes, some examples in pictures I've had is the credentials document, um, the way that the clients have graded or scored um, the presentations it can be totally flipped around in the chemistry session. One agency could have put forward, you know, this amazing, interesting credentials document. And then when the client actually meets the agency, it was from work that was perhaps 10 years ago and none yeah. of the team that are in the room today actually had anything Worked to do out. with it. So, <laughs> Yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. Awkward. So, yeah, and look, the chemistry session as well as the client actually really getting down to um, getting a sense of, um, you know, a feeling for who the team would be that they would work with day in, day out. It's also an opportunity for the agency to actually ask some questions to the client as well, mm. which again gives them a good um, good understanding of their thinking. Mm. So after the chemistry sessions, what happens next? So again, what Trinity P3 do is at the end of the chemistry sessions, we'll take all of the stakeholders' teams' uh, commentary and their scores. And what we'll do is put a report together for them and we'll go and meet with the client group again to really go over you know, their thinking and what their decision is on uh, deciding on three final agencies. Three? We're down to three. We're down to three. Right. So with the three agencies um, that would be invited to pitch, that's when we actually get to the fun part of the pitch. It's where we'd actually have the client uh, working on the strategic brief uh, or the media brief. It depends what we're mm -hmm. dealing with here. Uh, and we would actually um, at the same time have our finance experts at Trinity P3 working with either procurement or the client to actually um, work on their scope of work and work on the, the you know, the rate card information and all the of the RFP, financial. The RFP, the request for proposal or request for tender or, or yeah, yeah. whatever you'd like to call it. So, so that's quite different. Again, going back to this conversation with the CMO, after they mm -hmm. had their chemistry sessions, there was six or seven agencies, they just gave them a creative brief and sent them off to do creative work. So that's six agencies working on a creative brief, whereas this is three agencies going yeah. into a strategic or media. Three. So it could be, yeah, media. It could be creative. We've been working on different technology briefs of late for pictures, uh, PR. So obviously all of those disciplines require slightly different sort of approaches to the pitch. But if we're um, for example, talking about a creative agency pitch, it would be the strategic brief. So in the background, we actually help the client craft that brief as well. Obviously, a lot of clients know how to write a brief. Um, however, we can actually give them a little bit of advice and review that brief with them just to ensure that it is going to get the best results for a pitch environment. We often say to a client, it's not always going to be the silver bullet. Yeah, well, and, and I think the big difference is if you depending on how you write the brief, you're in trouble if you make it too tight or mm. too yeah. uh, leading, you end up with all the agencies coming to the very same point. Because exactly. It's but if you make it too broad, you may never get to the point of being able to have something that will differentiate one agency from the other because it takes way too much time to get there. Exactly. Well, I guess what we do differently as well for a creative agency pitch is we don't just have a presentation back from the agency. 
one thing that we do is we actually have the meetings or the presentations, as you like to call them, at the agency premises. Because again, we believe um, the client being exposed as much as possible to the culture of the agency and the personnel of the agency is going to be really important to their final decision making. But we actually call the presentations workshops. So we actually have a half day workshop with each of the three agencies where we take the stakeholder team to the agency and we give them the opportunity to within that half day or the four hours work with the agency and the agency vice versa work with the client team. So they'll actually run through their strategic process with the client. So what we're trying to get out of that is not only what's the solution to the brief, but we're also trying to get to how do you feel you collaborate with this agency? Mm. How do you like their thinking? Often results aren't always what you require. However, the journey along how you get there, mm. I hate to use that word, sorry. Well, <laughs> the journey. Um, the thinking. Well, it's one of the, one of the things that I always found after introducing the half-day or full-day workshops in some cases was at the end of it, marketers felt that they'd got as close to test driving the agency as they possibly could. Test driving, great, yeah. yeah. It gave them a sense of seeing how they worked with the mm. agency and how the agency worked within itself. Because, you know, I always think um, on the speculative creative, an agency comes back, they may have worked on it for four weeks, six weeks. You you haven't been exposed to that as a marketer. Mm. They, they present a strategy. Was the strategy backfilled from the creative or did it actually mm. lead to the creative insight? Um, who actually worked on it? And how did they get there? Mm. Because in many ways, you're buying a relationship yes. that solves problems and comes up with solutions mm. more than you're buying a factory that just produces creative outputs. And again, having this process and, you know, having a, a timeline of roughly, say, eight weeks being exposed to as many st staff at the agency as possible, you're actually not going to be, you know, if it was a normal pitch situation, you could have an agency throw a bunch of freelancers on the pitch. <laughs> so you might buy that idea. And then those people that came up with the idea, you're never going to have in the room again. So this process actually lets you work with the actual people that you'll be dealing with day, for, day to day throughout. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. The And I know it happens because when I worked uh, in creative departments, if the creative department was busy, the first mm -hmm. thing that the agency would do is phone a hot freelance yeah. team to come and do the pitch idea. Yeah, look, and I guess part of the RFP that we're um, also giving the agencies to actually respond to during the pitch process, we will actually have them fill out their rate card and their resource levels as well. So it's going to come out in the end of the process who are the staff that they're putting on to the account and how many hours is a client going to get of each of these staff members. Mm. So it's not a matter of just throwing freelancers onto the pitch. So the client really is getting a realistic um, view of what's going to be bought at the end of the process, so to speak. And, and that's interesting as well because uh, this the CMO I spoke with, I said, well, what did the consultant that you used do and they said oh he, he, um, we didn't actually get to we appointed an agency and then we worked out the finances mm. and he just uh, looked at the uh, proposal and said oh that feels pretty good. See it's funny when I first started working on these pitches um, and the RFP I always thought oh god the agency is going to hate us you know um, getting all of this information um, out of them and having to share all of this, you know, really highly confidential information with us. But now um, I've learned the way that we approach it. The agencies actually really appreciate it because what it does is 
there's no, you know, there's no cloak and dagger hidden sort of... Um, oh, there's a deal being done somewhere, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. It's all out there. It's all transparent for both parties. And, you know, we're not there mm -hmm. trying to screw down the agency. What we're doing is we're adding value by actually benchmarking the costs. So we're actually giving them an industry perspective. Mm. We're not adding opinion and saying, well, no, that's too cheap, etc. We're actually just giving opinion to the client based on what's going on in the industry. Um, and often I get, um, you know, agencies at the end of the process saying, thank God you've done all of that for us up front, because now that, you know, we've been appointed as the agency, we can actually get down to the real work and not have to worry about all those awkward conversations about money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think agencies, gen you know, even in the world of procurement, they feel generally, genuinely uncomfortable with that conversation around do. money because yeah. yeah a lot of agencies and i know you know um at uh, when i was working as uh, a creative director um so many times when we were unsuccessful in pitches it would go around the agency oh we missed out because someone did a deal on we were the too fees expensive yeah, or, we were, yeah yeah or someone <laughs> dropped their pants to yeah. get the client you yeah. know and it's just such a destructive view of the value of the agency because it makes it seem like the whole thing is about how cheap you are. Well, you know, that's actually brings up something that I guess we don't discuss with people very often, but part of our process that people maybe don't realise is we actually don't present the financials to our clients until the very end of the pitch. Mm. So we actually have the clients choose their preferred agencies um, and you know, present our reports on, we've been through the scoring through each stage of the process. So we've actually been through all of these areas and all of the decisions and have them actually, yeah, choose the preferred agency before we even go and look at financials. Mm. So our pitches aren't actually based on money or finance. Um, they're still negotiating to be done at the end. However, we actually get the client to see the value in what they're buying and the relationship of the agency. Yeah, I remember a, um, a pitch where the client, against all advice, mm. kept the incumbent in because, oh, we're worried that if we drop them, they'll, they'll just walk away from the business. So they dragged this poor incumbent all the way through the pitch process and was the third choice. You know, at the end of mm. that process, as you said, they, they had two other agencies. One they really liked, the other was very good. And then the incumbent was a sad third. And then we bought the... Um, the RFP results mm. in and, and put the financials up. And the two preferred were very close to each other, but the incumbent was half the price because they were basically offering all of their senior staff for free for the first 12 months. Now, it was really interesting because mm. the, the client was so excited about how cheap this was. And I kept having to point out, no, no, this is your third choice. I think I, um, I use the, uh, the metaphor, it's like, you know, you've test driven a BMW and a Mercedes Benz, but when you saw the price, you want to go back to the Holden Gemini, which ages me. But yeah, it's like you're, you're sticking with what you've known, even yes. though you've been incredibly mm. uh, uh, dissatisfied with the performance of it. I think clients are often surprised um, at our benchmarking report at the end anyway to what can actually be 
uh, negotiated with an agency. You know, they're just putting their best first price offer mm. up front and it is a pitch process. So, um, you know, it is something they have to do rather quickly, make decisions on without probably sometimes not knowing the full scope of work. Um, and they're just going by example of what they've done in the past for other clients. So that's where we can actually add value and we can actually help those negotiations open up a lot more. And often, you know, the most expensive agency, it may just be that they put the wrong resources on um, and that can all, all be worked out and um, everybody's happy. So, Kylie, what for you personally is the satisfaction of being involved in managing a pitch? Look, I think, um, well, one for me, you know, I get exposed to so many different businesses, so I'm um, forever learning all the time, um, which I would have done in an agency, but from a different point of view now. Um, however, you know, at the end of the pitch, I think because we do go through such a stringent process and we do actually add so many value in different ways through the pitch process, the outcome, in my experience, <laughs> touch wood, you know, nine out of 10 times has been really successful and we've had really happy clients and really happy agency matches because we have been through that process and ensuring that that relationship actually is going to come together and be a really positive one. Mm. So that for me is, you know, a positive outcome and my job successful, I guess. Um, That's important. I mean, yeah. you know, part, of, part of what we do has to be something that, you know, makes us feel good about what mm. we do. You know, you, you spend hours and hours working on a pitch. I was interested yeah. to know what it was. Because for me personally, if I never run another pitch, I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very happy because, you know, it's just, uh, for me, it's not as interesting yeah. as many of the other things. And I know you work on other projects. You yeah. don't just do pitching. But uh, certainly, if you're going to do something, you should do it as well as you possibly can. Definitely. But, I, you know, most of the pitches I've worked in, uh, the client has said that we have added value. And I think that's all you can ask for when you're actually working on something. You want to add value. Um, and, you know, we do add value in so many ways. If it's not just giving advice to a client or an agency, it is actually helping them um, learn something that they possibly don't know. Um, you know, going back to my last example, helping to write a brief. You would be surprised how many clients don't have the confidence to actually write a brief and share it with us. So that's something that, you know, from our experience, having to work on these activities all the time, we're exposed to so much information that, you know, they really do value our opinion when we're helping them draft a brief, for example. <laughs> so I'm going to end with quite a controversial uh, question, and that is, what is the most controversial or uh, the biggest uh, challenge have you ever had in a pitch since you've been with us at Trinity P3? What is it? Mm -hmm.